Welcome to the Three Educated Brothers podcast, a podcast about all things education through the experiences of three black men in the field. My name is Edmund. My name is Mark. And my name is Gladstone. And today we have a very special guest with us. Mm. We have Dr. Christopher Emden. I'm going to read his bio. There you go. I'm going to briefly read I'm going to read. I'm not going to read the whole bio, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm going to go a couple places. So okay. Dr. Chris Emden is an associate professor in the Department of Math, Science, and Technology at Teachers College, Columbia University, where he serves as the Director of Science Ed um, at the Center of Health, Equity, Urban Science Education. He's also the Associate Director for the Institute of Urban Minority Education at Teachers College, Columbia University, and Alumni Fellow at the Hutchins Center at Harvard, and currently serves as the Minority and Education Ambassador for the U.S. Department of Energy and the STEAM Ambassador for the U.S. Department of State. Also, the hip hop ed founder, mm. um, founder of Science Genius, founder of a bunch of educational initiatives, mm -hmm. you know, for our young brown and black students, and you uh, know, doing mm -hmm. this work out here. For the record, when I said you sure you want to read all that, I was, I was just trying to stunt. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I was just trying to stunt. The reason why I said that was I know that the that, like the bio is like really dense. Yeah, yeah. You got to get folks dense up. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't saying that like y'all. Yeah, yeah. My bio was popping. I was <laughs> yeah, saying like I, you know it might take out time from our podcast. It, it, yeah, could, yeah, it, yeah. it could be a little bit of both, right? Okay. Um, yeah, and that was just, that's, that's that's just the first paragraph of the bio, right? But, you know, very distinguished <laughs> guest. Very distinguished guest we have today. Um, so we're going to start off today, you know, with our margins of blackness. Mm -hmm. So where we unpack, you know, what we've been going through as, as black men in the field of education. I'll start us off. Um, just real quick, you know, just navigating the field of academia um, and higher education at Seton Hall gets a little treacherous sometimes with, mm -hmm. with folk who don't understand the experiences of black people or people of color first-generation students and can't sympathize or empathize or put policies and systems in place to support, to further support. So mm -hmm. that gets a little frustrating in, that, in, in, those, in those points. Do you find that you have like pockets of opportunity to, to express yourself or express that you know, concern? Post-tenure. <laughs> <laughs> or until they hear the podcast. Yeah, until they hear the podcast. But yeah, you know, you know, I'm not, I can't lie. There are people who, who have my back. My dean is very supportive. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, you wish you had, you had more supporters to, to push this work forward. But, you know. That's why we're yeah. here, and it's a, it's a margin of blackness. Yeah, so for, so for me, um, last week my students walked out, um, mm -hmm. and it was dope because I was uh, asking them the question a week prior, like, do they see themselves as Emma Gonzalez? Mm -hmm. And I felt that they were a little hesitant, reticent to actually um, say, yeah, that's me. But at the walkout, you know, one of my, my boys in my boys group, he held up a sign that said, as a black boy, I hope I have as many rights as a, as a, as a gun. Mm -hmm. And that video went viral. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with them that said, like, listen, man, like, with uh, a piece of paper, mm -hmm. right, um, and like eight to 10 words, you were able to create conversation right. um, globally. Mm -hmm. And it had like 54,000 retweets and counting, right? Mm -hmm. So we had a conversation about like, um, the power of social media is so important to the fact that some kids um, in New York City at a, at a high school, about 500 kids, they can create change like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good moment for me as an educator to see that and to explain that to them as well, too. That's mm -hmm. dope. That's dope. I tell my kids, you know, social media is a tool, yeah. right? It's, yeah. how, it's, it's how you use it. Yeah. What was so powerful for me in that, which you just shared, is that the initial protest was birthed out of, you know, these folks who are, who are very separated from, from urban America in right. many ways. Mm -hmm. And the fact that a young person of color could sort of reimagine a narrative and really infuse this mm -hmm. racial dimension mm -hmm. that was not part of the, of the, of the national discussion right. is really, really powerful, right? Because in many ways, you know, we are all riding with them folks who were frustrated be because of that event, which was a horrific event, mm -hmm. but also there are young folks of color in schools yeah. on a regular basis who don't have their voices heard, right. who are getting soul wounds, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. their spirits murdered on a, on a regular basis, yeah. mm -hmm. um, that, that, that can't give voice to that. 
And so it's, it's really interesting dynamic where those folks can have an issue. We all rally around. Yep. And then this is an opportunity for us to be able to pick up a strand of right. that mm. and add this sort of racial that dimension. Nuance. Which is a powerful thing to be able to do, but it's also really telling about the fact that we can't advocate for our frustrations yeah. and have everybody ride with us. We got to ride with y'all and yeah. get our voices heard. Yeah. And it, it's just a fascinating tension um, and nuance around this whole protest. So while we celebrate youth activism and youth voice, it, it requires young folks of color to be able to sort of latch onto a larger white narrative of frustration mm -hmm. for, to have their voices heard. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, while we celebrate it, we should also make sense yeah. of the fact that you know, that's, that shouldn't be the case. Right, right, right. And then you bringing that up, it's like that level of frustration that sometimes they're able to name and sometimes it's like, you know, pain's a funny thing when you can't locate the source. Right. You know, so like then that angst and that frustration of just knowing that there's something there, maybe not being able to uh, name it, you know, they carry that along with them in, in every experience that they have in the school and right. we're expected to learn at the same level. Like, and I think it continues on to after school, like going into my margin of blackness, I cried for the first time in like mm. 10 years this weekend. Wow. Like, like we went, me and my boys went to a, uh, like a, a club and we were chilling and um, I just like broke down. Like it was, it was kind of beautiful. Like I was, I was literally, I broke down and started crying in my brother's arms and they were there to catch me and they were letting me know that they affirmed me and that they see me working and they see, like they were letting me know my impact on them and it's like, you. you it's insinuated sometimes like you don't need to be doing it with each other every day but like right. in that moment like I was so vulnerable and I couldn't control it um, and you know it's, it's all attached to like some of the things that we've been focusing on in like my therapy sessions yeah. and things like that but it was like wow like you know that that was a moment that I, I probably won't forget yeah and again I think it's dope to reiterate right like that this platform um, has provided a space for like us uh, to feel free to share right because that, that's, that's, that's vulnerable for you and me being vulnerable in therapy again has allowed a uh, space for you to be vulnerable and to like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just like, it's continuous, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we're, I think the, it's like a verse that talks about where two of you are gathered, right? Like things start to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's dope that like, returning to this space has not only been liberating for um, possible educators listening to us, but for, for ourselves too. Like, mm -hmm. we, are, we are directly connected to the work that we're actually mm -hmm. doing, work, you know what I'm saying? Work. And then going like, you know, tying that to, you know, students experiencing certain, certain things and not being validated or, or being able to acknowledge those things, I think, in that moment, that was another form of kind of like a hybrid identity where it was like, I no longer have to be putting up this mm. front of just like being good. Like, I'm not good. You know, I needed y'all right then and there and, and they were there, you That's know? And, and then it opened opportunities for them to be like, yo, you remember mm. when I was going through this? Yo, like, yeah, I didn't tell y'all I was doing this. Like, you know what I'm saying? It opens up opportunities, so. You know, so powerful about, about that too, because everything is just so nuanced. I think even the, the, lo the location, Mm. of the space where mm. you can express that vulnerability right, right, is really right. powerful. Because yeah. oftentimes, there's, a, there's an expectation that it requires a therapist chair yeah. in a sanitized environment yeah. you know, where it looks a certain way. Yeah. And the idea that there is no context that's appropriate for one yep. to have the, the ability to be able to liberate the emotions. Yeah. Like as long as the folks are gathered to allow you to be able to give up your full self, mm. it can happen. Yeah, I think up. that, yeah. like, yeah. I know you missed it in what you were saying. Like, yo, mm. I was at a club with my boys and I had mm. that, that moment. It's beautiful that you express the moment. It's, mm. I think it's even more beautiful that you express that the spaces for that kind of liberation and freedom um, can be anywhere, mm. as long as folks are there to be able to trigger it to happen. And that's what I think that's that's magical. Yeah. So you know, my follow-up question is like, what song was playing? <laughs> Ooh, honestly, I couldn't even. Drake, it's Drake, it's Drake, it's Drake. Could have been Migos. Could have been Migos. Which 
which is which is a good like talking about this hybrid identity. I guess yeah. that's a good segue. Oh, well, would you like to do uh, like have a conversation around like your margin of blackness? Is you know what? Yeah, you know this week I think this week I, I did a TED talk. The TED talk dropped, mm-hmm. and and it got a, some good positive energy. And then I got this weird um, call from a sister of mine who I love, and she was like, you know, I loved your talk. Congratulations on the talk, but you know you didn't cite you didn't cite black women. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's, it was such a striking moment for me because one, it's somebody I love, and two, it's somebody who I know knows how much I ride. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, she felt, because I used the phrase ratchetemic, mm-hmm. and ratchet is oftentimes so associated with a gender yeah. notion yeah. That, that she felt like she was being erased. Mm-hmm. And wow. what I thought was powerful about that moment for me was that my initial response was to say, man, as a man of color who rides with you, like, man, I wrote recommendation letters for you, but like, so my initial response was to talk about all I've done for, rather than to recognize where that emotion came from. from. And I think I had to check myself like, yo, hubris aside, why does she feel that way? Mm -hmm. And I think that she felt that way because that word ratchet has been particularly used for queer folks and women of color. And so for a, a heterosexual man of color, to incorporate that into his academic framing yeah. may have felt some kind of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all in society always feel ownership over things. Um, and when you own something, even though if it's collectively owned, it's almost like your favorite song. Like when, when somebody else hears your favorite song, mm-hmm. right, right, right. you kind of feel some kind of way. Like, yeah, I, like, I, I act, like you want your artist to blow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like, that was my Enjoy song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a genuine emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it was how do you recognize how folks feel? even in the midst of doing work for and with them? And how do you not allow that to erase your intention? And how do you not allow that Mm -hmm. to fuel your ego, Mm -hmm. right? To recognize people's humanity and understand where they come from. So that was was my experience this week. Mm -hmm. Dope, 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 dope. So pushing through and moving forward, this podcast episode, we're gonna talk about like, you know, how to navigate academic educational spaces while being your authentic self, right? Mm-hmm. And we know a lot of um, Chris's work really revolves around like, you know, uncovering and understanding the young people's authentic selves, their genuine selves, their realities, and using that as a, as a framework to, to then engage in them, engage them in, in the classroom. So kind of want to start off and ask you, like, what's your education story? Like, what brought you into the classroom and what brought you wanting to create frameworks or mm-hmm. conduct research around you know, students, young young people's lives and realities. Yeah, I mean, so there's this dual. It's a, a two tiered question. The yeah. first one is about my my personal experiences, mm-hmm. like K through twelve, I guess, yeah. um, or even undergrad. Um, elementary school, middle school. Um, I went to like a Catholic school mm. in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, and and that experience is really interesting because in many ways it fuels my research today. Because mm-hmm. in that school, we're all young, black and brown kids in Brooklyn being taught by like nuns. <laughs> um, and so literally, and we were like in Brooklyn, like Avenue D in Brooklyn. So uh-huh. you would hear like, you know, the reggae songs yeah, blasting yeah, from the yeah, dollar cab <laughs> yeah. um, while we were in this place and space where it was these sort of white nuns who were sort of mm-hmm. teaching us to get better educated. And I think even at that early age, I was recognizing the tensions between who we were supposed to be in a classroom and who mm-hmm. and what was going on outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So that was like my middle school experience. Um, then I got into high school. Specialized high school, Brooklyn Tech, so you had to test to get in. Mm-hmm. And even in that space, you know, there was a recognition that we were all, the, all the black kids were smart enough to get into tech, 
but yet we were perceived as being less than mm-hmm. by the larger community. Gotcha. So I was still navigating that. Um, and in and, and, and Brooklyn Tech at the time, actually, and I'm writing about this in a new book, like one of the most notorious gangs in Brooklyn, uh-huh. the Decepticons, right. yeah. merged out yeah. of Brooklyn Tech, Brooklyn Tech really? in my era. Yeah. Wow. And what folks don't, like, and what folks don't recognize about the Decepts, they were a notorious gang. Like hit people over the head with hammers and take their polo boots, right. you know? Yeah. But that... Decepticon sort of brand emerged yeah. out of Brooklyn Tech because those were really super smart kids in Brooklyn Tech wow. who, when they got back to their communities, folks were like, y'all ain't really down, y'all in the smart school. Mm-hmm. And while they were in the smart school, folks were like, y'all some thugs, y'all don't belong here. Yep. And so there was this tensions around who was I supposed to be? And so what they did was they said, you know, if the people in the school think we thugs, we're going to show them some thugs. Right. And so they, they, they formed this gang. After a cartoon, like we, we, we it's, yeah. it, it sort of also bridges brings together this idea, like you know, these were young kids, yep. yeah. you know, they, they they were still rocking with the cartoons, yeah. uh-huh. right, yet right. they were being forced to be thugged by right. society and by the yeah. school, and so they were going to show society that they were bigger than they thought they were. Mm-hmm. They the formed this crew, mm-hmm. which was formed only to really survive. Yeah. Right. Then the New York Times picked up a story about them and said the most feared gang in New York. Wow. And they were like, we the most feared gang in New York. It's a rap. Oh, word? It's a rap. So now, <laughs> now we gotta act like wow. it. Yeah. Right? And so that was, the, that, was my, that was my high school experience. And yeah. it, it's really about, again, how society constructs narratives and tropes and stereotypes about folks of color and how they, they have to navigate that in the midst of sort of being academically successful. And what does that mean? And what would happen if schools could create spaces where mm-hmm. they didn't have those biases mm-hmm. guiding who those young folks could be, mm-hmm. and that the instruction in those spaces were free enough to allow them to be brilliant and cool? Mm-hmm. And if that happened, we wouldn't have you know the opportunity to be, sort of be have these people inscribe things on your identity won't won't happen as much. Right. So that was my experience in high school. You know, high school I'm on the rap. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. all I want to mm-hmm. do is spit bars, and um. And, and worked through that successfully. Had some challenges in high school. Didn't technically graduate high school. Mm. Um, but then, you know, came around and got that done. And, and then got into college. You know, and then, and then, you know, fell in love with the sciences in college. Not mm. even beforehand. Yeah. And, um, and still remembered all my experiences coming up. And, um, and that led me to want to teach. Because I, mm. I didn't want young folks to feel how I felt in school. So that's what made me want to teach. Mm. Um, science in particular. And then when I went to teach, I started realizing that I was being... Just like the teachers I hated, mm-hmm. which was painful. Yeah. Um, and that led me into this work in, in, in higher ed and it helped me to sort of have this mission to sort of reimagine what all that looks like. Yeah. Um and and, and and not just my practice as an educator and as a researcher, but also in my daily continual work yep. to every day be my full self. Right. right, right, right. Um and, and that's that's pretty much the journey. Mm-hmm. You wanna share? Well our story? Yeah. Well, I just had a question. I had a couple questions, but just in terms of um, existing in a space, right, where, like, where you are now, it's kind of, you know, existing, we call it, or like, I call it the matrix, you know, existing within a space that, you know, you may not identify with that didn't necessarily even want you there mm-hmm. um, and being within that space and using it to redistribute kind of like wealth to the people that matter and the people in your community while still using the institution as kind of like credibility mm-hmm. in what you're stating to, yes, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that it's, it's mentally jogging, you yeah. know, like how, I guess I just want to ask when was it one, like when was it in this, um, in your story that you just told, when was it that you started being able to, you know, take ownership over that mm. that process? And then, like, 
what's it what's it like because I feel like we all are kind of dealing with that similar um, paradox in whatever field we're in you know just the gap between the world we see and the world that we want to see yeah. um, and like how, how that experience is you know for me it, it's been this like look we all have to get to the point where we recognize that institutions were not designed for us to be so not, not even to win they're not designed for us to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me as a scholar and as an academic, you know, tra- chasing the chasing the sort of like academic accolades and the academic credentials and the this, that, and the third, like 10-year article here, blah, 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 blah. I started finding that over time, my pursuit of those goals did not at all shift how the system was seeing me. Mm-hmm. So you start reckoning like, wait, hold up, I'm putting in all this work. And I'm still seen as less than. Yeah. Right. And so the frustration really builds. And I feel like that at that point, you have a decision to make. You're either going to say, you know what? I'm going to completely acquiesce and just be silent as they are. Or I'm going to be so frustrated, I'm going to have to reimagine what this thing looks like. Right. Right. So for me, like my, 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 sort of how I physically embody my work and how that translates into my research is birthed out of a frustration. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes you got to be so tight. Like, yo, regardless, I'm, y'all not going to let me win. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to let me win, at least let me be on my own terms. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where the embodiment of my full self came. Because, you know, it's also, you also start realizing that you can't be as successful as you want to be when you're consistently playing somebody else's game. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, even though I was meeting these benchmarks, I could never be as successful in that space as somebody whose whole cultural experience aligns with academic success. Right. Like you came into the game equipped to win. Right. Right. So you're like as yourself chilling at the dinner table. You're speaking in a way where the academics will accept you. Right. Now, I got to come through and chill with the academics and then have to navigate the tensions of fitting in their world and not. Right. So I can't fully, like, if I'm competing with you while you're yeah. yourself and being, yeah. I'm never going to win. win. Right. So right. I got to get to the point where I have to be myself so I can, I, I can have the space to be able to fully express all that's in here. Yeah. And once you can do that, then you're operating on, on a paradigm where folks can't compete with. Right. Like, you got to sort of, right. another part of it is, like, you got to kind of be in a space where you're like, yo, the same things that they say I don't have, which is how they judge me for being less than, mm-hmm. if I flipped it, they'd be less than too. Mm-hmm. Right? So the person who's judging your paper to see whether or not your paper's going to be accepted, could you survive a day in the hood? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's, there's, no, there's no credential. Right. There's no benchmark for me to be able to assess you based on that. Right. So if I'm, if I'm, I'm perpetually <laughs> following your assessment, if I'm perpetually following your assessment, I ain't going to win. Right. right. So then I have to construct one of my own and then start yeah. realizing, wait, if you were in mine, you'd lose. So maybe, maybe I am kind of winning. You make your own table. You got to. Make your own table. And right? if, you, if, you, if, you, if you can't construct your own rubric for your own success, mm. then you will forever yep. be maligned mm-hmm. by the one that's created by somebody else. True. So True. that's just the way like, I've, I've been trying to rock out. And it's not to say that it's, um, it's been accepted, mm-hmm. but it's to say that it's an easier way to be. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like even if folks are mad, at least you're you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, full self. The, yeah, because the critique is gonna come regardless. Yeah. At least they feel something. The, the critique is gonna come regardless. Right. If you if you're chasing somebody else's ideal on who you're supposed to be, you're still gonna be critiqued on how ineffective you are based on the rubric for success that they've constructed. Hmm. Mm. So if that's the case, and you're gonna hate regardless, I might as well be me. Right. As I'm being me, I ensure that I'm excellent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I can't just be. On the other side, and not yeah. rock out. So, oh, oh so, so oh, we should I talk about books? Yeah, we got those. Yeah, let's talk about articles. Well, we got those. Yeah. yeah, degrees, we got those. But, 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 but we also got us. Yeah, yeah. and we gonna be right? ourselves. Yeah, and I space. think that's a piece that's also really challenging, right, yeah. for young folks in yeah. particular. I'm like, yo, yeah. be you. 
Yeah. Do you. Be free. But, you know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah, Make yeah, sure yeah. you rocking out on that too. And I yeah. think, I mean, I can't remember why I read this before. Like one of your classes I was in, but like, you got to actually, you have to get mastery first of what the structure actually is asking or required for. Then you ascend and create your own thing. Word. Right? You can't just come in like, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm going to be like, Yo, who are you? You got to mm. mastery first, I, I feel like, mm -hmm. and, th and then you got to create but your own. But here's where it's oh, ill. Educators are not prepared mm. to teach young folks the game. Yep. That's what we got. You, know, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so <laughs> if, if, if it's like you got to understand the game, then you can win. Right. Yeah. But no one's ever taught you that it's, that it, no one's even taught you that it's a game. It's a game, yeah. Right. Right. Yep. You still, be, like, look, you know, Jay-Z on the last album had this joint where he was talking, he was talking about his homies, right? He yeah. was like, he was like, you know, Emery, Emery, Emery judging and he yeah. just did a bid. Yeah. And, he, and essentially he was saying like, all my homies is millionaires. Right. Like my, my fam just got out of jail and he a millionaire. Like, what are y'all doing? Mm. But here's what's ill. If them cats didn't know Jay, they wouldn't win. Exactly. Jay had to give them the cheat codes. Exactly. He called it the cheat yeah. code. So he's like, yo fam, you just got out. That's what you got to do. Mm -hmm. So they, it required Jay to give them the cheat codes for them to be able to be a millionaire. They right. still had millionaire attributes within them. Right. But they needed somebody to be able to set the context for them. Right. Now, it requires educators of color or our allies or, our, 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 or those who are conspiring with us to be able to put young folks onto the game for them to win. Mm -hmm. If you can't let somebody know that they're playing a the game, then they're always going to lose. Mm -hmm. And those yeah. who know the game are always going to win. win. Exactly. Mm -hmm. true. So it can't always be content, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It has to be content as well as teaching young folks how to navigate these spaces. Yeah. Teaching them how institutions don't necessarily have value for you as you are. Teaching them like, this is how you're going to win. This is how you navigate this. The first time you fail a class, don't quit. They all failed their classes too. Take it again and then you go replace the grade. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you really frustrated at the end of the semester, you'll take an incomplete, my G, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Over the summer, <laughs> summer, <laughs> summer, get that work in. Right? Right? Like all that that's stuff. Write one paper that's your master paper before yeah. you get into graduate school. Yeah. Yeah. And then remix that joint a million times as you go going to take them classes. <laughs> the so all, all those things are, are, are gems. Yeah. That we don't get put on to. Yeah. So that if you can't learn how to navigate that through those gems, you're always gonna lose. Mm -hmm. So that's why the work, like, you know, sometimes you gotta get a game out for free if you want us to win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing, there's a lot of OGs who learned the game the yep. hard way. Yep. Right. But don't put young folks on because their perception is that I have to go through it. So let them go through it too. Mm. Go through it too, yeah. Some of the streets, and, yo. Nah, that's what it is. Streets. Like but if you doing yeah. that all of them, we can't I'm not win. About that. <laughs> and there's a fine line between that and, and just being conditioned and not being willing to like look at, you know, Jay, as we were saying with Jay, like he just realized these things now mm -hmm. and he's 47. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it takes a lot. So yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. So it's work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and um, but you know, being free is ain't nothing like being free. Yeah. We all know what it's like when yeah. you're when you're fully in your zone and in your pocket yeah. when you're in the classroom it's and true. you're just going. And you know what it is. Yes, I know you know yeah, what it is. Yeah, when you're like, freedom, yo, yeah. they feel me. I'm in the zone. Whatever it is I'm giving it's them right true, now, they true, get true. it and it's nothing like it. Yeah. yeah. I must want to publicly thank you because I remember when I was applying to the job and I was like, yo, I don't know if I got it. I don't remember this. I don't know if I got it. He was like, yo, just, just do you. Mm. I got the job and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm the youngest guy on staff, but like all the kids in the staff just like respect me. Yep. And it's like not because of like, what I know who I am, but it's cause like, yo, like they recognize the heart mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and the game and the system, whatever what, what I'm doing, like in the classroom from the heart. So like, and the kids are doing fine, right? Yeah. Um, and like, I love the job. So just thank you for just like, you know, like, nice love. And, and the times where I can't believe in myself, I rely on my brother sometimes believe in me to yeah. make me go forward. Cause mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I, I am where I am and I'm happy. It's true. Yeah. I, it's not, well, first of all, to hear you say that is, is one of the most beautiful things for me to hear because like, I, I, I sometimes wish that somebody had, Pulled me aside and put me on. Yeah. Yeah. So when I see that I, I've been able to, you know, like just drop a little game that that, that help you navigate. I love it. And then the, the thing I'd say also to that is that, you know, 
don't ever like in the sense that you like you feel confident like yeah. yo it's currency also understand that, that currency mm -hmm. is special mm -hmm. yep. you know don't ever look at that as less than whatever currency somebody else got like that's the piece that happens sometimes we get to the point where we're like yo I'm, I'm valuable mm -hmm. hold up you're, you're actually how about you're more valuable mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like when you said my connection with the young folks like how I'm with it how I get it how they connect with me that's vibranium yeah. like that <laughs> nah real talk no real talk real talk word, like word, that right word, there word. is the core essence of what it is that we have, that hidden piece that everybody else around just ain't got. Yeah. yeah. And if Juice. they had, a, yeah. that's it. And and you know we have to be able to hold on to the magic of that and and mm. look at that as currency. It's not like oh this has helped me to get in. This is actually what helps me get on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, you ain't just in, you on. Like yeah. you like now you on. And I think that that nuance is essential. And you know I'm learning that myself. Mm -hmm. Like you know these things are like okay you know what I'm gonna just do me so I could make it through. Nah hold up. It's not just so you can make it through. You you doing you because you got you got something special. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And true. you know what I mean. And yeah, yeah. We, you know we got to tell ourselves that sometimes. It's like, true. That's yeah. special. We don't hit enough. You know? No, we it's don't. True. I mean, we're, we're so socialized and conditioned to, yeah. to to try to make it to whatever that plateau, right. whatever mm -hmm. that peak or that plateau is. Right. And like, oh, am I gonna get into this school or am I gonna pass this exam? Yeah. Right. Where it's like that doesn't like do do your best, shoot your shot. And then you see what happens. You yeah. see where, where the coins drop, right? Yeah. But all that anxiety and that stress and that pressure, especially as educators, right? right. Mm. And, and, and as students working, right. working within these systems and it's this, this ivory tower we have over here, right? It's like, am I good enough for tenure? Am mm. I good enough for my faculty members? Right. But then like, once you, once you come to a space where you're just existing as yourself, it's like, I'm good with me. Yep. Mm. And I don't have to subscribe to any, any condition, yeah. you know, any, um, any attribute people, right. people, put, on, people mm. put on to me. And, you know, I, I feel you. And that, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, it's, it's, it takes a lot a lot of times it's really yeah. unlearned this, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we've been so socialized mm -hmm. to, to think like, yo, we have to subscribe to other people's right, rules, right. right? And I'm in my space, man. My office, I got the neon sign in my office. I had a, one of my colleagues like, yo, it looks like, looks like a bar in here. Like, nah, <laughs> yeah, it's my bar, son. Like, yeah, keep, right. keep pushing, yeah. bro. Keep pushing. It's like, just be yourself in whatever space you are, especially yeah, in educational mm -hmm. spaces. Because yeah. That's how we, we come fully actualized and free. It's true. Yo, one of my favorite, favorite quotes is on a Black Star album. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they got it from this movie. I can't remember the name of the movie right now. It's like a little skit. And dude was like, I'm a victim, brother. Mm. He was like, a victim of what? Yeah. 400 years of conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> the man has programmed my it's conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. conditioning yeah. Is a condition. Yeah. But really, that's what education yeah. is a conditioning process. Yeah. Yeah. Those who've been most successful are oftentimes those who have acquiesced to the structure mm -hmm. yeah. and, and conditioned themselves to it. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So once you understand that, you're like, oh man, you know, them cats ain't better than me. They just better conditioned. Right. right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the folks who don't fit in are the ones who are the winners. Because they're the ones who are strong enough, like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. I wanted to like speaking of fitting in and you know because all of these conversations in order to have the perseverance to see like you know all right I'm gonna do this for right now but this doesn't define me and this also you know uh, I, I'm still gonna be able to be myself in this space it takes a level of you know kind of determination to even see yeah. the value or like feel like you belong in the space to you know like Mark you were saying yeah. to be able to scope it out you there's also a simultaneous uh, pressure to see the bigger picture of why you're even there because it's yeah. so easy to just dip out like because i don't need this i'm getting yeah. disrespected nobody understands me mm -hmm. you know um and having that conversation like i remember the first time i met you or like i think that what you really provided to me in a space like teachers college columbia university was seeing that there's no one demeanor or one way of mm -hmm. uh uh you know colloquial tongue to that exists mm -hmm. in this space because mm -hmm. i feel like from the outside <laughs> When people see Columbia, there's there's like, oh, it's Ivy League. Like I remember telling people that I got into Columbia, and they'd be like, yo, how, da 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 da, da. Yeah. your experience must have been amazing. And like once I'm here, I I didn't want to be a pessimist, but I was letting them know, like the, you know, just like 
every other institution like it's a microcosm of the broader society like the same levels of, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. to a higher degree because now they feel that degrees make them higher right you yeah. know what i mean right, like, right, right. um and so i wanted to bring that up because one of the things that i really enjoyed about you was like seeing your aesthetic you know the way that you walked around you got the hat on you got you know because you <laughs> i ain't even that fresh today you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know i remember uh where was it? It was at um, the transfer school conference when you were wearing the green, the green, uh, yeah, the, the green, green wingtips. Wing <laughs> wing Those always make up parents. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, too hot. But like in, but look, in that, I I was able to see myself. I was able to realize that all right, like you know, it is predominantly this demographic. Mm. But I'm 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 a disruption here. It was only, yeah. it was it was empowering. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to just ask you a question along the lines of in the conversation of. Um, hybrid identities and ratchetdemic, like where do you feel like uh, visual aesthetics plays a part? It's everything. Mm. Like there's a chapter for white folks. If y'all ain't got for white folks, get what for white folks. But there's a <laughs> <Plus>. chapter. <laughs> but there's a chapter for white folks. It's called clean. Mm. And yeah. the, the the goal of the chapter was essentially around that. I think that as educators, we often talk, like like that's a piece of who we are in the classroom mm -hmm. that we pay the least attention to. Mm -hmm. That actually, in many instances, has the most significance. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, because. Like, whether it's us or sisters, like, a, you know, a sister goes in the classroom and her braces first get done. Like, all the, all the students are like, yo, see, yo. Like, they, they notice. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think if you want to build relationships, aesthetics are a way of, to communicate yeah. a connection right. without mm. saying a word. Yeah. Mm. And folks look at that and they, 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 you showcase for them how you care about them. Mm -hmm. You showcase for them how cool you are, how cool mm -hmm. you're not, how eccentric you are or mm -hmm. not, how mm -hmm. flexible you are or not. All that gets co communicated through your aesthetic. Yeah. So, like, dress to me... Is, is everything. Yeah. And as folks of color, historically, that's always been our vibe. Yeah. Like, you know, we've always been ahead of the curve in utilizing our, 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 our outward self as a way to communicate an idea of our worth mm -hmm. to society that sees us as less than. Yes. So historically, like, folks are broke, poor, don't got nothing. But when they step out their crib, they look like a million dollars. Because it's the only way, it's the cheapest way, to be yeah. frank, yes. right? I can't get a new house. I can't get a new car. The cheapest way for me to showcase that I have some self-worth is in yeah. what I put on my body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when, and, and not only do I do that to show the world I have worth, but I'm also convincing myself I have worth yes. through my aesthetics. Yeah. So when, when, when people understand that, you know, some folks are so rich they don't have to worry about what they wear. Mm. Mm. Right. right? Like, you know, you know, the dude from Facebook, he could just rock a t-shirt. They yeah. know he got bread. Yeah. <laughs> for us, we ain't, got, we ain't got much, so we need to... Feel good. It's yeah. self-therapy. Right. Just like verses of therapy, what I put on is therapy. Yeah. So when I throw that on and I cock my hat to the side, look in the mirror like, yeah, you about to get them. Yeah. You know, I, I walk through in a space with a certain yeah. emotion about myself. And I think we need to teach teachers to understand the power of aesthetic. Because the folks who are the most bummy mm -hmm. in aesthetic is teachers. Yep. Yes. Like, That's so funny. You, how that you going to teach in a hood and your sneakers is cooked? Like, right. it just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Because <laughs> the kids are looking at you like, yo. You a joke. So, yeah, like you went to college, right? You, don't you want me to learn your subject, right? But yet, you've gone through all this process and your sneakers is busted. Yeah. So then why would I want to be yeah. like you? What kind of role model is that? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think those pieces matter. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, 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 and then there's a lot of critique, and I say this all the time, like a lot of critique around like, yo, but, um, you know, they're so poor. Why, why are they wearing Jordans? Like, why are they wearing fancy oh, clothes? And I'm like, yo, that's, that's the most simplistic yes. and yeah. ignorant critique because... Yeah. Half of society is living in a world of credit. Right. In capitalist America, everybody's rocking shit they ain't kidding for. Right. You got a $750,000 mortgage. Yeah. You make 50 a year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'll add up, bro. Yeah. Yo, I, I, went to this, I went to this um, I went to this furniture outlet. It's like it went out on Instagram, furniture outlet. So I get there the day before. It was this guy, Jonathan Adler. 
And um, I went there the day before. It was from 9 to 12 for two days. I got there at 11. All the furniture was gone. So I was like, you know what? I get there early tomorrow, mm -hmm. and I can get some furniture. I'm trying to get a couch for dis a discounted price. So I, sh I roll up. It's in the Bronx, by the way. I roll up at 8.30. I'm in the South Bronx. I pull up. There's Range Rovers, Lexuses, Benzes, mm -hmm. in the middle of the hood. Mm -hmm. Right? And this warehouse. And then I parked my car and got out. And there's a line around the block wow. of white folks in the hood. Right, uh -huh. who came to get a furniture discount. Yep. And the guy came out the event and rang a bell. It was almost like a farm. Yeah. Wow. He rang the bell and they Everybody started running. They bum rushed the furniture um outlet. Folks was laying on the furniture saying this is mine. Wow. And saying, like, wow. You know, like rich white ladies with pearls fighting over a picture. Yo. And I'm like, yo, if we were privy to yes. the and I'm not trying to call white folks animalistic, but in this in this in this in this scenario, yeah, 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 yeah. if we were privy to the animalistic tendencies of the upper class yep. in New York City. Yes. Mm. And how they were beating each other up for a discount on the couch. Right. You wouldn't say nothing when kids are online for Jordans. Right. Because mm. at least them kids had some decorum. Jeez. Mm. Right. So, Cheers out, all that. All that. So when you understand <laughs> that we are all collective victims of capitalism, mm. but in our instance, we choose to do things to affirm the fact that we've been broken by a society that devalues us, mm -hmm. you let folks rock out. Preach, mm. brother, preach. So... Mm. You know, we we try to have some practical tips and um, and tools for teachers, right? Mm. <laughs> that was Edwin saying like, "Yo, I'm not ready to I come know. down." I'm not ready to <laughs> down. I'm not ready. That's my segue. That's my segue. Right? <laughs> so, listen, listening to you, right, and talking about you know we need to understand and create space for our young people to, to be themselves and mm. to self 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 actualize. What's one thing that a teacher who wants to engage in his work who has who has nothing who doesn't know nothing know, knows nothing about it? Mm. What's one thing they can do in their classroom space I, to, you to know, let them students be themselves? With reality pedagogy, that mm. first C. Yeah which is just engaging dialogue with young people yeah. outside of the class, yeah. you know, about the class and about their life experiences. Right. Don't make any assumptions on who they are and what they are and what they know, or who you think you are, or what they, like, or the theory that you learn in school and all that. That could give, like, the one thing I would say to just engage in this work is if you're curious about something about yep. their life experiences, ask, ask kids. Them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not even that deep. Yeah. Mm. But then I, but then speak about it through your positionality in the conversation. Right. Yeah. So you got to express one, like your ignorance, I think it's important. Like, yes. don't come to engage in a conversation with a young person about their life experiences, saying, "Hey, guys, I I heard you guys love uh, Fifty Cent." You know, like <laughs> you, know, you, can't, you can't come to engage with yeah. hubris. Yeah, right. It has to be from a place of wow. You know, I really am struggling to know this. Right. You know, I, I want to know more. I I don't claim to know anything. Can y'all teach me? Yeah. So I think also that vulnerability is is, is currency. Yeah. So young folks respect that. Right. And then, and then now you have young folks that work with you mm -hmm. to help you be more effective. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a fundamental sort of baseline, basic yeah. point. It's so layered, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, the, 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 the biggest part yeah. is just a dialogue, yeah. you know? It's true. You know what I mean? It's just true. see somebody's humanity, recognize it, don't feel like you know everything, and say, I want to know, I want to learn from you, right. about you, because yeah. I want to be better at my craft. Mm -hmm. so kids always respond to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like we're doing it right now in my school, just like this idea of like, Asking kids how they feel about the school, like we ask, we mm -hmm. ask, we're asking kids, like, you know, like, how does it feel to be kicked out? Mm -hmm. um, and we're not asking the kids that are only kicked out, but also like those top kids. Mm -hmm. Like when you mm -hmm. see kids getting kicked out, how does it make you feel? That's dope, right? Like, and and then, and then we get the merging of like the kids that are not often recognized mm -hmm. and the kid that's are, are always recognized and going to present it back to the staff, I love right? It. And I and I think that like this idea of like this co-generative planning or, or, or like talking to kids all the time. It's like, I work with a teacher often. It's just like, we're often checking in with each other and mm -hmm. we'll call the kid from the hallway like, yo, what do you think about this idea? And they'll be like, nah, 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 nah. use this. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Because yeah, like, at the end of the day, like we, we don't, because I feel like 
as although I'm only 26 now, and like I feel like I'm young and I got it, um, I realize the older I get, as the months and weeks go by, I'm further, further not cool in the classroom, mm -hmm. right? And I do little things like try to play Fortnite and stuff like that too. <laughs> um, and they laugh a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like in asking the kids, like, yo, what's what, what's relevant? Like, yeah. does this make sense? Like, how you feel about this? They'll let you know, like, yo, it's whack. It ain't working. Oh, it's mm -hmm. working. Keep going. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like authenticity never yeah, gets played out. Yeah. I feel like mm -hmm. kids yep. asking kids questions should be a formative assessment all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely, mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. You know. Now, I think I think that's, that's magic, and I think you know it all boils down to what humanity. Yeah, yeah. You recognize the humanity of other human beings. You know, mm -hmm. you see that other human beings have something to offer. You don't exist in a space where you know one person is the this or the that. Like this is why, and then this gets back to the, what you were talking about earlier. Like you know about navigating academic spaces. To me, it's always about squad. Like you yeah. always got to have a crew mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. rock with that you can see each other for who you are and yeah. your humanity. You know what I mean? Like I love. You know, meeting with my doctoral students with the door open all the time, yeah, mm. and allowing anybody who's around in the vicinity to come and partake in a dialogue, yeah, because everybody, whether you are undergrad, a high school student, a doc student, a master student, can have something to, to contribute to the process. Yeah. Mm. The idea of the hierarchy based on degrees or credentials and all that right. is a social construct. Mm -hmm. right. Anybody can engage in whatever work just based on the access to information that they may have. Yeah. Mm. So if you create a space where everybody's on equal footing, like what y'all doing in your school is just that. Yeah. You're saying now. That the teachers are teachers, but the mm. students can be teachers as well. Right. And then the teachers can be students, right? Mm -hmm. And then the administrators can be learners. So you mm. you're changing the usually we have a hierarchy. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. You know, you know, students, teachers, parents, school district, like all that we deconstruct yeah. that in an enterprise where we're all functioning towards our collective betterment, right. then everybody should be able to have access to each of those roles mm. and move through them fluidly. Right. Yeah. So this idea of, of, of the hybridized identities, this idea of rationademic identities is birthed and based in, in that construct, not just in an individual who is learning to embrace their multiple selves, but in school and teaching settings mm -hmm. that allow there to be multiple entry points to enter into multiple roles. Because mm -hmm. once you enter into a new role, then you could find out what your possibilities could be. Right. So a kid who now can have a conversation with a principal yes. can be like, yo, I could probably run a school someday. Ooh. Right? Yeah. So And you don't have to say it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Right. Most of the things that we deliver to, to young people yeah. are not said. It's yeah. always in the unsaid. That's that Biggie yeah. line. Biggie's like, I'd like to dedicate this to all the teachers who told me I wouldn't amount to nothing. Yeah. I doubt there were a whole <laughs> bunch of folks who said that. Yeah. They didn't articulate that verbally. Right. But the message they were the sending. The message yeah. delivered. Right. And yeah. we yeah. had to work to deliver Except a counter message. Right. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's still that's powerful. It's like um, you know, breaking down these, this idea of the privilege and power that mm -hmm. that educators and school administrators yeah. have in the schools. And we just talked about that earlier, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, I I mean I don't know if gonna ask this question. Like we, I, I, I saw the TED talk. Yeah. Um, and I hear this ratchetemic term, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I think in the podcast for people that's gonna see it for the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Who don't know your work or may you know your work or not, but how how would you define this ratchetemic? Yeah, you know, so it was it's birth, it was birthed out of the kids. Like right. I, I was I was kicking it in a classroom with some kids and they were just describing other kids as ratchet. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is fascinating. And then um we did I do the science genius project right. where we have young folks, you know, write raps about scientific content. Mm -hmm. And so it, it in that project in itself is this sort of organic merging, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I I gotta know more science, so I gotta have more bars. Mm -hmm. And it was the same kids who were being described by their peers as ratchet mm. who were asking these crazy questions about more science. Mm. So I'm like, yo, these kids is mad ratchet and academic. Like, yeah. like yeah. this is real ratchetemic, yeah. right? right? This is not to say that the word ratchet has not existed, right? right? Mm. So it, to be frank, the word ratchet, a lot of folks associated with to being a Southern phenomenon, like mm. a New Orleans phenomenon. My first use of ratchet 
when Jay Z said on the recent line too, uh -huh. back when Ratchet was a Ratchet, uh -huh, my, uh -huh, my uh -huh. first use of Ratchet was like in the 80s and 90s in New York. The Ratchet was your gun. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's oh, like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the Ratchet, ratchet. Was, that ratchet. was your gat. So, yeah. so it was your tool. Yeah. So it's like, yo, y'all be, better chill. I got the Ratchet on. Or Rat, right? Right. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? So. You called the Rat before? No, no, no. That's Jersey, yo. That's it. If you walk in the spot like this, they'll be like, yo, 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 Shorty got the Ratchet on him. So to me, this idea of the Ratchet in a, in a, in a, in a late 80s, early 90s New York aesthetic was that don't, don't like this dude has a secret weapon on him. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He has something that he's hiding that if revealed can change the whole game. Right. right? So to me, when we talk about ratchet in the contemporary era, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like I got this vibranium. Mm. I got this sauce. I got this thing that y'all making me tuck. Yeah. Educational spaces, don't let me reveal this because if I do, y'all gonna have to lay down. Mm. So it's, it's like that sort of unapologetic idea that there's a secret weapon that's inherently possessed by young folks who are marginalized. Mm. And when you combine that to sort of like a New Orleans bounce aesthetic, mm. um, this dude, um, Lil Boozy, before Boozy, there was this good dude called Mandigo, mm -hmm. who created this joint called Ratchet. Mm -hmm. Like, that was a track. And in a track, he was just talking about being from New Orleans, rocking a gold teeth, you know what I mean? Just, that means we're Ratchet. And then, he was talking about short, like women. He was like, yo, these shorties is ratchet. Mm -hmm. And what, what black women do in their infinite magic is always, whenever they see something that's thrown at them that's inherently negative, they embrace it fully and then be, and own it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So then it became, from Mandigo to black women said, yup, we ratchet, right? And then it became super celebrated, like queer culture in New Orleans, mm -hmm. right? And so all of a sudden now, the ratchet in New York meets the ratchet in New Orleans. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was bringing it together like, yo, the secret weapon of the New Yorkers, the up north cats, mm -hmm. is their secret weapon. The hood identity of the Southern Cats is their secret weapon. Mm -hmm. And if you could bring these secret weapons together to be able to infiltrate spaces where they're told that they're less than historically, yeah. then we could construct these new identities where I can, my, my, like, because every academic who's from the hood got a little ratchet in them. Yeah. <laughs> or a little ratchet <laughs> on them. Yeah. Right. You, know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can get it either way. Yeah, right. So how do we bring the ratchet we have in us or on us <laughs> yes. to be able to utilize and navigate places that have been sanitized that told us historically we're less than? Right. And how do you reverse the tide of seeing that thing as inherently negative? Mm -hmm. So that, that's where the theorizing around ratchetemic came from for me. Um, and then now it's like, it's about an, an individual work, a collective work, a systemic classroom's mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. to create the conditions to allow rational academic space, uh, identities to be able to fester and grow. Yes, and and so that becomes the present work. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, it's so funny because that the phrase academic for me also it almost like exemplifies a lot of things I've seen historically. Also, like my mm -hmm. mom, like my mom is Jamaican, mm -hmm. and she British Jamaican, and every Jamaican knows the gradients of Jamaicanness. Right? There's the, there's the Jamaicans from Yard, like Yard mind them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like you don't want to mess with like the, the hood cats from Kingston. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the Jamaicans who are crazy super British. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. They sip tea at high noon, they have fish and chips on Fridays. Uh -huh. They're more they're more British than more, some British people, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. And and for me, it was like looking at my mom, who was this sort of like upwardly mobile Jamaican immigrant, who wanted to be a part of high society. And thought that to be able to do that meant that she had to erase all of yeah. her yardman or yeah. you know what I mean yeah. yardman yeah. thing you know what yeah. I mean so yeah. so she so she stopped associating with her with her with members of her family that were seen as low brow mm. you know what I mean she didn't listen to no dance hall mm. she listened to classical she said see a high noon so my mom came to the states in the search for upward mobility while putting on an identity that forced her to learn how to negate aspects of herself wow. mm. right and so now. I, as a young person in Brooklyn and the Bronx, have to deal with that tension. Yes. Because my mom is now mm -hmm. Jamaican-British. I got family that's Jamaican-Jamaican. Mm -hmm. And in the hood, I got to be something else. Right. Mm. So 
for me as an MC, I learned that I could bring it all together. Because mm. as an MC, I could use a little a little Jamaican slang. Yeah. Or my mom's words, like a colander. Who uses colander in regular right, language? Exactly. Colander is a little bowl that you rinse your vestibules in, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And has little holes in it. Oh, that's the name for that. that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my mom's <laughs> use words like colander. <laughs> I'm like, yo, mom, what's a colander? When I go in the hood, nobody knows. Yeah. But when I go to spit, I could be like, yo. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I could kill MCs for every day on the calendar, put holes in whack rappers like it was a calendar. Oh! Right? So now, the homies in the battle, like, what he said? <laughs> what's the dictionary? But what's happening here yeah. in this organic way yeah. is that the hood supports you yep. in the multiplicity of your identities. Right. The, hood is, the hood is not gonna be like, yo, you whack because you're using big words. If you got big words and bars, they celebrate that. Right. Yeah. Ask Keith Murray. Mm -hmm. He made up his own words, the yeah. most beautifulest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So the hood supports you in the construction of these multiple identities as long as you keep it a buck, as long as you're real. But in academic spaces, it's the opposite. Yeah. So the academic spaces only want the sanitized version my mama got from Jamaica, mm. right? So how can we allow young folks to have the same feeling they get on a corner in the classroom because right. they're more free that way? And again, it's, it's all this idea of ratchetemics. So ratchetemics becomes in many ways a theory of everything when it comes to the construction of spaces to allow multiple selves mm. to coexist right, towards right, academic right. attainment or towards being free. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's about freedom. It's dope. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Whew, got goosebumps, bro. Uh, that's love, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was good, yeah. That reminds me of like when I used to like, I remember, um, unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, I was in, I was in the program at TC uh, the English ed course, and then like to take to take your course to have a black professor Adioli, um, and to have someone else, I had to take a science course. I took your class, it was a science and urban education course, mm. and I'm just like I don't even teach science, but mm. I remember like being at the institution, coming to your class. I, I, I talked to Pat Evan about this. It's like coming to church almost. Mm -hmm. Like I yeah, I got my Tuesday, my Tuesday, my Tuesday church experience mm -hmm. with you, and I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go back and, and do the work. And mm -hmm. I feel like that feeling I just got was like, oh yeah, I remember that when mm -hmm. I used to be here because it was like. It was reaffirming mm -hmm. to go to your class and go go teach the day after because I felt but so I'm sure you like you do that you know, with your yeah, kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. And this is why also yeah. in the book we talk about church, it's, right? Because it's just that, like right. this idea of like it felt like church. You know that there's other places where you feel that same thing. Of course, yeah. You yeah. feel it at, a, at the dopest when you had a right concert. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whether it's the concert or it's the church, for some folks it's the mosque. Yeah. Right, for right, some right. folks as well, with they, they with they shorty, right, like right. Th whatever place it is that gives you that heightened yeah. euphoria. Mm -hmm. And just to add, what I what I've realized too recently, my kids, when they come into class recently, it's been like, damn, class is over already. Yeah. yeah. They went mad fast because we were having a good is, time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't know. It's like when you with your girl. You know, my fiance. When you with someone you care about, you doing something that you love. It's like, damn, it's really time to go. Yeah, like we just got right, here. Right. And the kids be like, already. I mean, yep. we, we happy to go, but great, time to Ain't go. It's the best feeling ever, though. Oh yeah. Like when you're an educator and the young folks are like, yo, is that's it? Mm -hmm. And or, or they like they they like ah oh, like they don't want to leave. Yeah. You know, but every class should feel right, that guys. way. Yeah. And and. and and like that's why I do this work, yeah. Because I, because I know what it's like to create those spaces. I know what it's like to be in those spaces. I see the euphoria, the joy, the excitedness. Like I know that if we had sort of like fMRIs, we could see the neurons yeah. are firing on multiple mm -hmm. levels. Like all the things that we say we want to do about education, we know what it looks like when it happens, right? And we know it doesn't happen often enough, which is why we got to do this work, right? Like all the phrasing and all the naming and all the theories. 
It's simply for us to be able to have a language to describe yep. what we know. That's yes. right. A lot of them cats right. don't know. Yeah. So we got to do all this work just so they know. Because I can tell in your classroom, mm -hmm. if the kids are telling you, it's over already, or when you hear that, oh, yeah. that, you know, you know, it's a high. Yeah. yeah. And and that high is not just for the students, it's for the educator. Mm -hmm. Then you, you know, then your, your work is life fulfilling, a life affirming. You've yeah. created a space of freedom. Yeah. And you know what? So many teachers don't know what that feels like. Nah. So many educators of color mm -hmm. yeah. oh. who are teaching kids of color don't know what that feels like. Don't know what it feels like to have that magic. Yeah. Mm. And that's why we gotta do this work. This is why I love y'all podcast, because I think every time I've listened, I think I'm like three episodes in. I'm always behind. You know Sorry, what I'm saying? Bro, go ahead. But every time I listen, what I what I what I get the most from it is that y'all enjoy being with each other, engaging with each other, and sharing with other people. Yeah. That magic is what's gonna translate. It's, it's gonna wanna make folks wanna listen, and it's also gonna wanna make you guys keep doing this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what what I want y'all to understand about that is that it, it's it's contagious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good energy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's contagious. It's true. And folks sometimes want to shut it down because they ain't got it. Right. Cats who ain't got that magic that and can't quantify. They ain't got yeah. it. They mad. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Throughout this institution we're in right now, I'm gonna stop in a minute. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we'll talk. We Throughout the institution that we're in, recording this right now, there's so many folks who just have no idea what that feels like, what yeah. that looks like, what that sounds like. And because of that, when you come with that joy. Mm -hmm. That magic, it, it is. They want to shut it down because they can't. They they don't know what to deal with it. Cats don't know how to deal with with positive energy. Yeah. They can't deal with the sun. I'm dead serious. It's true. Yeah, we yeah. don't talk about this enough it's as true. men of color, it's as women true. of it's color, true. as people of color. Why why are they shutting you down every time? Mm -hmm. It's not because you less than. It's because they just can't. They can't deal with the glow. Not ready, mm -hmm. baby. They got you got that sauce. You shining. You gleaming on them, they, and they don't know how to get it. Yeah. That's so frustrating. That's, an, that's why there's a collective assault on black cool. I'm writing about this, and y'all getting a lot of this, of this new book, but mm. there's a chapter literally about that. Like the, the, the assault on black cool. Mm -hmm. it ain't a, it's not really just an assault on blackness, it's an assault on black cool. Cool as in like the swag, swag, or the ways of being. presence, yeah. all right. that. The, the, the genesis qua, the French yes. call it. Yeah. <laughs> There's an attack on that yeah. because that I can't quantify. Right. So it's like it's like remember y'all sort of remember the joint with the kid with the um. Oh, that H and M joint. H and M joint. Coolest monkey yeah. in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coolest monkey in the jungle. It wasn't just attacking black folks for being a monkey in the jungle. There was an attack on the coolest monkey in the jungle. Mm. There had to be a deliberate assault on the cool factor. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So that when somebody who has cool exhibits cool, mm -hmm. you can say it's not worth anything. Right. So they attack swag as much as they attack blackness, mm. which is why you got to turn swag and cool into currency. Yeah. So you, it's actually a, it's actually you have a, a you, it's a mission to keep your cool. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a necessary endeavor to maintain your swag. Mm -hmm. Like my boy, I'm, I'm gonna stop here. I was talking to my boy the other day. It was, it was, this is gonna sound really bad, but we went to the Knicks game. After the game, that, that, that does sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't talk about my Knicks. It's <laughs> really all bad. Well, we, had, we had a Knicks game, right? And um, it was a really basic construct, and it's gonna sound really bad, but I'm gonna go for it anyway because we could just all build. So we had the joint. He's like, "Yo, I think I'm about to trade in my whip." And I was like, "Yeah, what you want to trade it in for?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to trade this joint in for like a um, for like this Hyundai." Mm -hmm. And I'm, look, if you only got Hyundai money, I'm not judging. <laughs> but he got breasts. I'm like, well, why do you want to train for the Hyundai? He's like, well, you know, it's a more, it's just as, as much of a sensible car as the one I got. And I'm like, so what is it, the cost? Like, is it the, he's like, nah, I'm going to get a souped up Hyundai. I'm going to have Hyundai with all the bells and whistles. So I'm like, all right. 
And I was like, yo, you sure you want to do that? And I, he was like, why? I'm like, you could afford it, right? I'm like, yo, you work with young folks. They look at you all the time like, yo, look at my OG. Mm. You know what I mean? When he pull up. In the Hyundai. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, pull, when he pull up, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, yo, if you're going to do that, and it's the same price, yeah. right? I'm like, if you're going to do all that, might as well trade in anything else too. Mm. Just to trade in your sneakers and get... <laughs> you know what I mean? Say I don't care about how I look at him. Uh, and, and, and what it is is he's functioning on a logic of the system. This, yes. is, this is a sensible car. Right. This is a sensible car. It's a sensible vehicle. But you know, once you trade in your cool, yeah, ain't getting that back, bro. You ain't getting the back. It's hard to and, that back. You know, and I guess the car example is bad because you no, no, like, makes oh, sense. Evan saying that you got, you know, he's trying to stunt on cats because he got bread. <laughs> it's a headline already. Yeah, <laughs> I know it is. They <laughs> misconstrue my shit all the time. <laughs> but but genuinely, it's a thing, yeah. right? It, it, like your presence matters. Yep. Your aesthetic matters. Mm -hmm. How you present yourself to young folks matters. And if you start saying, I'm going to do the sensible thing mm. based on an institution's definition of sensibility. Yeah. Hold on to that for a minute. It's not you. It's not you saying, oh, this is a sensible thing. Like, you know your car flyer. Yeah. You know your young folks be like, yo, yo, you popping right now. And you know the currency. Didn't say. So you're basing your decisions on an institution's definition of what's sensible to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're judging your cool based on somebody who has no swag's definition of swag. Right. And you're going to follow suit. Then when they look at you like, yo, you corny and they don't want to listen to you no more, yeah. you're wondering why. Because you traded in your cool. Yeah. Mm. Folks trade in their cool for degrees. Mm. I don't want to be cool no more. I want to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I want to be cool no more. I want to be a... Why can't you be both? Yeah. yeah. That's true. And that's the whole mission, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yo. <sighs> Dope. So, you know, at the end of every episode, we like to talk about tangible things that you can do in the classroom. And I know you got class right after this. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was kind of wondering things, you know, things that were coming up in this conversation. Do you feel like there's ways that um, like what is your class topic about? And, and like, do you think like how, how does this conversation relate to everything that you teach here at Teachers College? Yeah, well, you know, what I try to do in my work is always operate organically. So if I'm just coming off this conversation and this is what's it's my vibe and it's what I'm feeling sure. right now. You know, when I get into class, I literally suspend what I'm doing and utilize this energy in the class. Mm. Um, so class today, we're just going to talk about reality pedagogy. Like, the, mm. this is my approach to teaching and learning that, that, you know, I didn't just come up with, but it's an accumulation of what I feel is best practice for teachers. Mm. And so in class today, we're just going to talk about these Cs, cogenerative dialogues, co-teaching, mm -hmm. cosmopolitanism, context, content, competition, curation, mm. and how we could, you know, teachers can do these things and be more effective. So class today is just going to be on that. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, again, I think, you know, you... You should teach. You should always teach based on where you are. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks say, you know, teach for where the students are. And I agree to a certain extent. But we forget the fact that the teachers are human too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have to teach from the place of your joy. Because mm -hmm. joy translates. Mm -hmm. Y'all feel yeah, me or not? Like, yeah. I remember once I was working with this teacher. And um, he, I would go in his class. His class was trash. Like, kids hated him. It was awful. And every time I saw him, he'd be wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. <laughs> so one day I was like, yo, do you like Star Wars? And the minute I said that to him, he was like, yes, start. And he just got uh, so hyped. And I'm like, yo, your next math class, teach it based on Star Wars. Mm. Right? Everybody was telling him to teach from where the students are. But sometimes when you teach from your place of joy, mm -hmm. the joy translates. Yeah. And once the joy translates and you create the space of conversation, you can build. So, you know, if I'm in a place where my heart is full, I always teach from that point. Because it allows me to enter with the right emotion. Yeah. Right. And then mm. once the right emotion is there, then the learning happens. Mm. Yeah. Dope. Like, why teach from deficit? That wouldn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, 
before we, we transition to footnotes, we have an announcement, and we want to share with everybody, you know, this is going to be our last episode for the season. For the season. It's a wrap yeah. for season one, and we'll catch y'all back in season two yeah. shortly. And one of, one of the reasons why I think it's important to be transparent, um, it's important to take a break yeah. to realize, to reflect on what we've done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, like, like a teacher. At the end of the semester, mm-hmm. we sit down, we cut it, we, we, we cut it short, and we actually uh, focus on what, what we actually did to actually build. Right. So we hope for season two, hopefully starting like in the maybe the beginning of the, of the next school year, is that we come correct, more relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, rhymes. You got me in a rhyming spirit. But yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, we, we're, taking, we're taking this break for like self-care, yeah. but also to make sure that like this podcast grows um, with intention. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, the, and the premise of the whole thing is, you know, providing these spaces to build, you know, these are conversations that oftentimes people just, uh, you know, they hang by the wayside or, the, again, in the conversation of conditioning, we just see schooling as a certain thing. And a lot of what we're doing, a lot of, Chris, what you've done for us and what you continue to do for people is to make education something that's relatable, especially from people who are outside of education, because I think educators generally can see kind of the vision of the purpose of why they're in education unless mm-hmm. they're doing certain programs that it's a two-year cohort, then they go to business school or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Yeah. And so no shame. In, that, <laughs> in that conversation, though, is the importance of providing the space and building the community. And I think that at the end of season one, like as we're, you know, we definitely wanted to have Chris come in, the OG, like he's meant a lot to us. Um, and we wanted to end on a, on a level of, this conversation is continuing. We about to go into the off season. We about to reflect, you know, it's like constant cycle of, of you know, applic- reflection, application, mm-hmm. reflection, application. We gotta sit back and see where we can improve. And in this time period, we're not gonna stop being in communication with everybody that's been reaching out to us. So um, we wanna make sure that if y'all have something, you know, to, that this conversation continues going. And, you know, special shout out to all of those that have supported us um, along this way. You know, all of our friends, our family, um, Organization New York City Men Teach. Uh, we come from Queens. We come from Queens. Has been in contact with us. Like you know, we're really trying to build a community here. We we may be the vehicle, but these conversations are life conversations. Right. So. Facts, 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 facts. And I just want to say, y'all, it's an honor to be here on a, on a final final one for the season. Yeah. And you know, on camera, I don't know if y'all gonna share it or not, but just let you guys know individually how proud I am of you and your work in the classroom, your work with the department, your work in higher education. I think you, in many ways, you know, show us that a vision for something greater than us is possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm just always in awe of each of you and your and your greatness and your brilliance and your passion for this work. So I appreciate y'all for that and and, and for this podcast. Dope, dope, yeah. dope. Man, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So wrap up to footnotes. Last footnotes. Last footnotes of the season. So footnotes normally, Chris, when we just kind of like just debrief. Like, what's one thing you took away from the episode that you kind of just like just like a summary of your thoughts mm-hmm. and how you feel at the end of the episode. So I mean, whoever feels, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking about, since about 50 Cent, I'm thinking about my footnote talks about, like, when Give Richard that trying, it's like, if I can't do it, homie, it can't be done. I'm feeling real bold after the conversation. I feel like, yo, like, my existence is resistance, mm-hmm. right? And, like, my, my, my teaching is my activism. Yeah. So when I, when I, when I, I feel like when I go to work, I'm just like, yo, like, this this institution wouldn't be the same without Mark. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and that's how I'm feeling. Like, without mm-hmm. me, this classroom wouldn't be able to function. Like, kids are... Are, are, are kids and myself are being, I don't want to say like I am the people of liberation, but there's a mutual exchange, a symbiotic exchange between what's going on between me and my students yeah. in that classroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. smash it. Now I, gotta, now I gotta copy a, um, a bulletproof. You know, for me, where I'm at, yes, in my space and, and, and academia, it's just more so like just continuing to, to unlearn mm-hmm. and just continuing to be my authentic self no matter what space, no matter what meeting no matter where I am, even what I'm teaching my students, right? Mm-hmm. I, 
I recognize my students may not be where I want them to be in terms of like activism, social justice work, or even teaching and learning, but I find myself dumbing down my content just to be able to relate with them, yeah, to relate easy, to them. But you know, yeah, dumb down so my content, dumb my dollars, you, 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 right? Be careful, man. You know what I'm saying? But they all, they all yeah, holler. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, but yeah, like, and I, was, I had the same conversation with my dean, and she was like, you know, you shouldn't have to, mm-hmm. right? Because nobody else feels that way, and nobody yeah. else on the faculty feels that way. So just continue to go full force and, and do the work, and continue to be an activist as, a, as an educator. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to to be, I'm gonna have you go last. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. To be to be real with y'all, like. You know, I'm over here taking very deep breaths and like, you know, my heart is like really full right now. And what really resonates with me is what you were saying, Chris, about finding out where your heart is full and, and, and you know, going outward from there. I think, you know, especially just because of where I am in life and my understanding of myself, I recently have been putting out negative energy. And as somebody who reacts to people's energy as much as I do, mm-hmm. you know, my response has been to kind of just not want to chill with people because I don't want people to see my negativity or like whatever that may be. But look at like it's 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 all about an ideological shift throughout everything that we've been talking about this whole season has been around unconditioning and unlearning and like realizing that it comes from within. And then, you know, I, I mentioned it on the last episode, but reading a book, The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov, it's it's really been um, a transformational process for me here, seeing that like all of these conversations, if we're existing in this realm of like you know, the physical world where we're constantly trying to attain things, power, money, love, whatever it may be, and we're not paying attention to our, you know, our mental, our mental state, the conversations that we have um, in the, you know, he calls it the multi-sensory, but just like things about passion and, and, and uh, empathy and like, you know, if we're not focusing on evolving these skills, then we're going to constantly churn the way that we have been. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see the change yeah. that we wish That's to right. see. So, like, you know, I, I, I feel the Pentecostal pedagogy and, like, you know, things like that in spaces like these. Because at the end of the day, we're going to walk out of here tonight and have to go back into the world. Right. And so this is refueling for me. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Um, um, shoot. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get, get, keep it real practical. Ed and I just just edited a volume of essays mm. um, from a lot of the most iconic and then new, new, um, mm-hmm. new educators in the field. So we got Glory Lassie Billings. Uh, we got... Got the EP, Courtney Rose. Courtney Rose. Ah, yeah. Got a chap in that joint. Uh, Bettina Love got a chap in the joint. Yeah. Um, Ian Levy got a chap in the joint. So we did a, a it's called a, a compilation on hip hop and education. Yeah. And it's going to be released on March 29th. 29th. Yeah. And we're having a party. We having a, we having, we having a party in New Yorkin to announce the release of the book and oh, also sad. release yeah. of our book now. series. Yep, the book so series. We, yeah. we have a book series through Sense and Bro Publishers, myself, Edmund, and Shirley Steinberg. So we get to put these books out. Yeah. Um, and on March, uh, we have an event on Sunday, April 15th, 15th. 9, 9.30 p.m. Near, near at the Cafe. New Yorkian Cafe. Nice. Hey, you don't be telling us this. We, yeah, we, yeah we, we just told you. <laughs> <laughs> come on, so come yeah, right, right. get with it, get with yeah, it. Yeah, listeners come through. It should be a dope time. Yeah. And we're also going to be supporting my brother, Jumani Williams, who's running for lieutenant governor of New York. So we're going nice. to announce the book, support his, uh, his campaign. Yeah. So if anybody who's listening, please come out Amazing. and That's cop that book. Cop the book. Cop the book. That's what's up. All that being said, y'all, yeah. it's been a real season. Thank you. Love it's, it's, Thank episode, you it's episode X. Episode X. Episode X. You know what I mean? Yeah, nah, this whole condo. That's brother. We're coming back with a vengeance, so yeah. we'll be here. We'll yeah. be here. Let's start. Thank you. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. Yeah.